0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. We've been talking about the fruit of the recreated human spirit. We've been talking about character. If there's one thing that Christians need, charismatics need, it's character. It's Character. Character is who you are. Not what you can do. And you can cast out demons and have no character. You can lay hands on the sick and have no character. And when the world have a look at you, they'll say, Boy, that was powerful, but I don't want to be like them. Because I'm looking for a bit more substance than that. And so uh, we're believing that God is going to be imparting to you and to me uh, some of the truths concerning... The need for us to have character. Character. Jesus had character. Jesus' purpose to do something, and He shared it with people, you could count on it. He was going to be there. And that's what God is looking for in His people, is character. So starting to read at verse 14, chapter 25, and verse 14. When I can find it. Here we go. I'm back to my Bible thing again. All right, Steve, lend me your Bible. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Every passage. All right, thank you so much. No problem. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods unto them. Whose goods were they? Okay. And the man who's doing the traveling has possessions, and he entrusts the keeping of those possessions to his servants while he goes off into a far land. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. I want you to see he's not a respecter of persons. He's making some meaningful decisions here about entrusting the care of important things to people who can handle it. Yes, that's right. <laughs> there are some people who just cannot handle lots of money. <laughs> oh, if God would just give me a million dollars, can He trust you with a million dollars? Oh, yeah, He can. Uh, and you're not tithing? excuse me. There are people in, and now let's keep, it, let's keep it real close to family. There are people here who are having all sorts of problems, and they say to me, I don't understand what's happening. Now, it's not like they were a big threat to the enemy. But I've got this attack, and I've got that, and that goes wrong, and it doesn't make any difference. Whatever I put my hand to doesn't prosper. And the first thing I'm going to say to you is this: Go out and check your faithfulness in stewardship of the tithe. Because you see, you can be giving. You can't begin to give until you've tithed. Oh yeah, I can. Because the tithe means a tenth but I'm, I will just give during the period and I'm not going to tithe. I'm not gonna, you can't. You're not giving until you've tithed. When you've tithed, then you are not robbing God. And if you're not robbing God, then whatever you set your hand to, you can expect to have blessing return to you. But while you're robbing God, you ain't getting anything from God but the cold shoulder. Now, we're talking faithfulness. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is love. I believe that that's the fruit of the Spirit. I believe the byproducts of that fruit are joy, peace, gentleness, uh, faithfulness, long-suffering. Now, we're dealing with faithfulness. That word faith that you've got there in Galatians chapter 5 is not the faith that moves mountains. It's faithfulness. Faithfulness. There's a wonderful picture that I have in my office. I always admired it as a, as a child growing up. My, my late grandmother was given this. So as you can appreciate, it's a few years old. Uh, but it was a picture of a Roman soldier at his post while Pompey was erupting. And if you know anything about history... When they finally were able to get into Pompeii, they found this place devastated by this volcano that had totally, totally uh, uh, covered this city of Pompeii. But standing at his post was that Roman soldier, still in the same position, had not been given the command to leave. And the title of that particular picture is Faithful unto death. I think God's looking for a few people who are going to be faithful unto death. It doesn't make any difference what comes down the pike. We don't change our position. We don't move off for convenience sake. God is looking for people who really mean business with Him. And I've been in meetings, and I'm sure you have too, where people will come to the altar and they will cry and the tears will go and the Kleenex will get used and we'll have bawling and scrawling and commitment. God, I'm going to serve you with all my life, with all my soul, with all my being, but don't touch my purse. <laughs> Interesting. Word of God says, where a man's treasure is, that's where his heart is. You, you guys that are going into ministry, some of you are in ministry, you want to check out who are going to be your best followers, have a look at the ones who are tithing and giving. They believe in your vision. The ones who aren't, don't. So don't elevate them. Don't give them responsibility. Principle of the kingdom. How can they assume a position of... Resp- We're talking faithfulness, is this alright? yes. Just nudge your name and say you're turning blue. Take a breath. You see, we need to understand something. If you're going to take a person, you're going to put them into a position of responsibility and they are not tithing. Number one, they're robbing God. Number two, they don't really believe in your vision. Why have you put them in a position of responsibility? They're going to produce after their kind. The law of Genesis will operate. And they will start producing people under them who are haphazard in their, in their giving. they 've blurred in their vision. There are principles. Remember, God operates in order and structure. Not man's order, not man's structure. Divine order, divine structure. And the Word of God is clear on this. And if you want to operate a ministry that is going to get results, don't surround yourself, number one, with people who are mediocre. I worked with a guy who, he was a Jewish fellow. I don't know if he knew God at all. But he had a wonderful adage. He said, never surround yourself with mediocrity. And I could listen to him because he took one little clothing store and he built a dynasty in South Africa. When I worked with him, he had 1,800 superstores like Sears. So the, the guy must be doing something right. And he said, never surround yourself with mediocrity. So anybody who hasn't got a vision, they can't run down the road with you as quickly as you're going. Don't look at them. They may have a place over there at some stage, but they're not ready for it. And if they're not tithing and they're not giving, and the tithe goes to the Lord... Help me out. When we say, give us unto the Lord, we mean that. What is God telling you to give? But he's getting my money. Well, if you're so worried about it, keep your money, you're going to need it. Because you're giving with the wrong attitude. Find a place that you can give. But don't come along and eat at McDonald's and go and pay Burger King for your meal here. Yeah. You ugly thing. No, please, I'm not here to offend people, but I want you to understand something. There are principles. If God has planted you somewhere, be there. And when you're there, take your checkbook with you. Because God is going to require things of you. And one of the things He's going to require is He wants to test your heart. He's going to check out just how close to Him you really want to walk. You see, He's not having a look at how much you give. The tithers of the Lord. You can fight with God about that. Don't come and fight with me. But I want you to know something. That you can't begin to give until you've discharged that responsibility. And you have to do it with the right attitude. And you can't shortchange God. He's going to charge you 20%. Yeah. Any any of the tithe, any part of it or the whole of it that is withheld by the person who should be tithing, when he brings that tithe, he is to add one-fifth. That's 20%. You can add a business at 20% interest. That's usury. Mm-hmm. Then we get into the area of giving. Giving and tithing are two separate things. They're two different things. Listen. Giving. <laughs> Have you noticed that sounds real different to tithing? Now, here comes a the revelation. They mean different things. When we get to the area of giving, I believe that the tithe opens for us the windows of heaven, pouring out blessing, not pouring out dollar bills. I think I need to do a teaching on tithing. I just get a feeling some of you guys need to hear some of this. You see, what what is it that God blesses us with? Opportunity. In the main, opportunity. People are waiting for a a big Rhodesian Ridgeback to come in with a paper bag in his mouth filled with hundred dollar bills and this is God's answer to your prayer. It ain't going to happen. And if that happens, don't kill the dog. When he leaves, follow him, follow him, find out where he got it. (laughs) Okay, well, let's press on. Let's press on. God's checking us out. You see, all of that stuff, they're a means to an end. And God is checking out what end we are aiming at. Finance is just a means to an end. God's checking out what your end is. Can you trust Him? Father, I've really got my heart set on that. Okay. And I'm saving for it. Hmm, sounds good. And then there's a special offering. And the Spirit of the Lord says something to you. And you think it's the devil trying to steal from you. What happened to faith? Can you get it with your faith? Oh no, but I'm saving for it. Can you get it with your faith? I didn't ask if you're saving. Can you get it with your faith? Can you believe God for it? See, this is the challenge. Brother, I walk by faith. If you walk by faith, then you should be growing in this, in this area. Now, we're dealing with finances. It doesn't have to be finances. It can be the area of healing. Yeah. You can't believe God for healing of your body from cancer if you can't believe God to heal a headache. You can't believe God for, for $500 to buy what you want if you can't believe Him for $0.50 cents to put bootlaces boot laces in your boots. You've got to start somewhere. Start small, but build up. But keep the progress going and keep the process going. See, what we do is we start relying on God's blessing when it comes in, and we start, listen, eating our seed. I think I'll move on. Have a look here at verse 15. And to one he gave five talents, to another two talents, to another one, to each according to his own ability. Underline that, own ability. Listen, folks, you do not have unlimited ability. You have all the ability that God has available to you to do what God has called you to do. But you don't have unlimited ability. If you were not called to be a Reinhard Bonker preaching to millions of people, you do not have all of heaven's resources available to you to do whatever Reinhard Bonker is doing. Because you ain't Reinhard Bonker and you don't have his call. (coughs) But whatever you need to fulfill the call on your life, God's made it available. Some people don't like this. You think that there's a... You can have whatever you want. If you can believe for it. (laughs) Come on. But you see, one of the hardest things for Christians to get to grips with is the fact that we're not all called to be Reinard Bonkers. (laughs) Because we come out of our graduation schools and we're the hottest thing on the block. And does God really realize what He's been blessed with? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so out we get and we are going to do this. Now, I'm not against great plans. I think some people that I've discussed things with, they know I've got big plans and I believe they're of God. They'll come to pass. Hide and see. They'll come to pass. But I want you to realize something. My plans are not as big as rhino bonkers are. Because I'm not called to his ministry. Well, brother, it should be big. No. No. I know what God's called me to, and I'm real comfortable in that. Christians get uncomfortable when they get out of their calling. Now they move out of faith into presumption. And they're expecting God to service their presumption. God ain't going to do it. I know what we need. I really do. I know what God's called us to do. And those that are here, will get the job done. We'll keep teaching and ministering and preaching. And Northern Virginia will be saved. Amen. But I want you to notice. I said Northern Virginia. I didn't say Maryland. And I didn't say Washington, D.C. And I didn't say West Virginia or South Virginia. I didn't say the Carolinas. Because God never called me to that. If that call changes down the road, you and I will know together. I don't have a vision for the whole of America. Come on, help me out. Now, you're not feeling deflated by this, are you? I mean, we're having a tough enough time handling Manassas. (laughs) Amen? Amen. So what have we got to do? Find out where God wants us to be and be there. And understand, you can't have ability in God outside of what God's called you to do. He's not going to provide it. There are things He's provided us ability for. uh, We're talking about faithfulness. But you see, we want to do all these big things. Let me ask you a question. When last did you lay hands on the sick and get them recovered? When last did you cast out a demon? When last did you break the power of the devil in your home? When last did you confess over your finances and see the answer met? Much easier to pick up the phone and say, Pastor, will you pray with us? And we've got to break that mentality. God wants you to take His Word and start living by His Word. So that should the time come when there is no phone available for you to pick up and say, please, will you pray with me? You've got a hotline to the Father and you know how to operate that way. Some of you are going to foreign mission fields. There are no people out there to help you. You're trusting the Holy Spirit saying, Holy Spirit, get somebody back there praying for me. Is according to their ability. The gifting was given. Amen? (laughs) Well, it's what it says. Don't get mad with me. 16. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more besides. And the Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Let me share something with you as a principle. If you take the gifting, and I believe, As charismatics, we believe in the charismata. We believe in the gifts, the gifts of the Spirit operating. I believe in natural talent and gifting as well. But if you will take what God has given you and be faithful in its administration under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, it will multiply. It's called... Blessing. And it's not just for thee. Thou shalt be blessed. (laughs) It's for those that you come into contact with. They're going to be blessed because of your faithfulness. Okay? And his Lord said to him, verse 21, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Verse 22. He also who had received two talents, came and said, "Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents beside." And his Lord said to him, "Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Let's understand something. This is the reason that I said. I believe faithfulness is the major characteristic that God looks for in anybody that God is going to take and use. Your, your natural talent and ability doesn't cut it in the spirit realm. Your great gifting, in terms of the manifestation of the Spirit, in any case came from God. Right. It's your faithfulness to administer that and submit it to Him and allow Him to flow through you that causes God to look at you and say, I'm going to entrust more to Him. But when you sit down like this other dummy, verse 24, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. His Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. There's a four-letter word that describes describes ministry, and this is the word, W-O-R-K. And the more ministry you want to get into, you can add another word, H-A-R-D, W-O-R-K. And you'll do that until Jesus comes. There's no room for laziness here. Have a look at what he says. But his Lord answered and said unto him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own, at least with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Now, thank you, Steve. What, we, what you've got here is a principle that I believe has been glossed over. Nobody wants to talk about it, because you see, we believe, Romans eleven twenty nine that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. I believe that. But I don't believe for one minute that we can hold God hostage because we make the determination that we are not yet ready to do what God wants us to do. So God brings gifting into our lives. He brings anointing upon us. And He says, now go out and do it. Well, God, I don't feel like it. And then what happens? We, we think that we're holding God hostage and the whole of the kingdom's progress is in suspension because we've decided we're not moving forward yet. It ain't going to happen. You will run to catch up with God. That's right. yeah. And maybe He's that far over the hill, you don't find Him again. Because this scripture tells me that God has given to every one of us giftings. How are you using yours? For yourself or to benefit others? We're talking faithfulness. Because you see, we've got the idea that faithfulness is every time the church door opens, I should be there. I think that that's part of it. But faithfulness extends to every area of my life. Remember what our definition was of faithfulness. Let me just refresh your memory. We said that being faithful is being loyal, trustworthy, and constant. Loyal, trustworthy, and constant. Are you trustworthy with what God has entrusted to you? What about the stewardship of your time? What about the stewardship of your family? What about the stewardship of your gifting? What about the stewardship of all the things that you automatically consider to be part of life, and you can just... Fly by on the seat of your pants. We're doing a series on Sunday mornings uh, concerning the family. Becoming an excellent family. I trust you're getting blessed by it. But we're addressing every area of the family structure. Right from the head all the way down. We all have our part and we all have our, uh, our place in the family. And we've all got responsibility. Every one of us. And how faithful are we to that? If a person is found unfaithful in the marriage relationship, we know what happens. It can end up in a complete breakdown in the marriage, never to be uh, coming together again. However, we think that we can be unfaithful to God, and it's okay. God, in His mercy, will do it. Well, He will. That's the love of God extended to us. But I want you to know, I believe that when it comes to ministry... If I'm not faithful with what God's entrusted to me, God moves me out of the way, having raised up somebody else, and will get that person to do the job that I was called to do. I believe that. I believe the scripture teaches that. That doesn't mean that I'm cast aside forever. I believe that when I repent and come to my senses, I get back, and God, the gifts and the callings are without repentance, but it may take another emphasis. So there's no time like the present to get in and get obedient to what God has called you to do. God's not playing the tune, the same tune all the time. God wants us to move forward. When God ministers to us and He quickens things on the inside of us, the response on the inside of us should be, God, thank you for calling me. Thank you for the privilege of being able to work with you and serve you. I'm thrilled, God, and you should grab it with both arms. Most people don't want to get involved in work in churches, but they find it tedious. It's demanding. I've got other things to do. What you're saying is that is a priority. And then you find yourself floating on the periphery of what God is doing, and you can't work out why. God never takes me and never uses me. Well, there might be a reason for it. See? Now, I want to... uh, I want to move on from where we were last week. And we were talking there about some of the deception that leads people out of God's will. See? People work in a ministry and they get the idea that things are happening in the ministry. They get used. They're called up. They lay hands. And boy, the people go down and healings take place. And all of a sudden, they start thinking the anointing is on them. They don't understand structure. They don't understand order. God operates... In structure, and God operates in order. And there's a thing called the corporate anointing. And when the corporate anointing is on the go, don't think for one minute that it's your anointing. I mean, I've seen them. Uh, you know, uh, I've seen Daddy Hagan move. And I've seen people go down by any dummy sitting there thinking that because he laid hands on them and they went down, that it was, the anointing was on him to do that. Now suddenly God has set him aside. He's dumb. He's dumb. That's a corporate anointing that's on Daddy Hagen to operate there. And he delegates responsibility and operating under that same anointing, people get the same results. We've got to understand how God works. And if God raises you up and gives you your own ministry, He will put an anointing upon you. The anointing is the ability of God to do what He's called you to do outside of the body. But if you're not head honcho in the body, you can have an anointing that abides within you that will enable you to do what God has called you to do in the body. The corporate anointing comes upon you to do certain things, but it's not your anointing. And I've seen them leave, not here, but I've seen them leave. The church we come out of in South Africa, I saw them leave by the time, thinking they had a suddenly got a, this great anointing. Four months later, you don't hear any more from them. There was no anointing on them other than the corporate anointing. But they misunderstood that being their anointing. God's timing is right now, so the Lord has quickened me. Now, having said that, I want you to know there is an anointing to work the works that God has called us to work as believers. For example, I don't have to have an anointing to cast out a devil. That's right. All I've got to do is have faith. I don't need an anointing. Amen? I don't need an anointing to lay hands on the sick so that the sick will recover. I do that by faith. That's not an anointing. We've got to understand that. There's a practical working out of our Christian experience that God requires, and you operate that by faith. We get on the streets of New York. I don't know what's going to happen. God does. But whatever it is, it's going to be good, and it's going to change lives. But we're not going to change lives because we go up there with a special anointing. Most of what's going to take place is going to be because we missed it. And God got it right. Come on. I mean, I've seen it in ministry. I've seen people do things. It's like, it's like Peter in Acts chapter 10. Here he is at Cornelius. Angels appear to him, to Cornelius, and says, go and... Fetch this guy, Peter. He sends messengers down there. Peter's up there having a vision. God's trying to straighten out his thinking. God says, break with your religious tradition. I can't eat anything with a cloven hoof, God. What? Wake up, you silly Peter. (laughs) Peter's still going like this, and there's a knock at the door. They say, we've come. This is... He comes across there. Now he gets his whole entourage, you see, because he took a whole bunch of Jews with him. He's probably afraid to go into this Roman's house. But he gets in there, and here he starts giving a whole rundown. This poor proselyte, all he wants is to meet Jesus. That's all that he wants. And Peter goes through the whole rigmarole, and he says, And while we yet spake, the Holy Spirit said, Oh, Peter, shut up. <laughs> Cornelius, this is what you want. Get it. You understand? We get in the way. Peter, at least, you know, I mean, he was bright enough to go back to Jerusalem and say, Guys, we never did it. I mean, we're still talking, and bang, things happen. It just broke loose. So, you know, when we get into ministry, we do our best to hear from God. Get faithful, do what you believe, and trust the rest to the Lord. Ah, brother, that's a hit and miss thing. I want you to know something. Some people get so tied up with how I've got to speak to this person. Lord. Hold up there, please. I I know that you want to... Just hold on. I, I believe there's a divine appointment. He doesn't even know what divine appointment means. But just wait there. Lord, what do you want? Speak up. I can't hear you. Ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, oh. Oh, thus saith the Lord. And turn around, the guy's gone. We, listen. Living the Christian life, just be yourself. Just be yourself. Speak Virginian. God speaks Virginian. He speaks Texan. He speaks anything. Just be yourself. Now, Have a look at Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19. If you are not faithful and loyal, all right? Now, we've used ministry as an example. But this applies to any area of your life. It might be in your studies. I mean, if you're studying for an exam, or should be studying for an exam, and you don't study, don't say, Holy Spirit, give me recall on what I've learned. Because that's what He'll do. And if you ain't learned anything, you're not getting anything from Him. Well, the Lord never helped me. There was nothing on the inside of you that He could draw out. Come on now. And if you fail, you fail. Not because God failed, but because you never prepared. So, our stewardship extends beyond ministry. We've talked about ministry, but it could be your work, it could be your studies. On what basis do you expect God to to bless your work? On what basis do you expect to get a raise? On what basis do you expect to get promotion? Or a better position, or even another job? There's only one basis faithfulness. Hard work, faithfulness. They don't give you promotions, or they may in some companies, but they don't give you promotions just because you're a pretty, a pretty face. 90 pounds of pantyhose and a pretty face. <laughs> Hard work. Faithfulness. Doing more than what is expected of you. Now, your attitude has got to be right. If you are a complainer, God cannot do for you what He has promised. I hope you caught that. If you're a complainer. Now, the word complainer means to find fault, to make accusations, to express pain or displeasure. And I believe that the true child of God does not complain, does not find fault, or make accusations. The true child of God. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19 says, If you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Now, all of us want to eat the good of the land. But are we willing and are we obedient? See, this scripture cannot work for you if you're a complainer. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. We should be thrilled at the opportunity to work for God and serve in the kingdom. And from Isaiah 1.19, we can see the faithfulness of the Father. He says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat. That's His faithful promise to you. The condition is, you have to be willing and you have to be obedient. A lot of us are real willing because we're looking at the fat of the land. The obedient is the part that we have a problem with. And every one of us are running a race different to the person next to you. Your race is moving towards the final goal, wherever that is, but the course layout is very different from the person next to you. So you run your own race. And you have to be willing to be obedient to what God tells you to do to make the adjustments in order for you to experience the eating of the fat of the land. And if you're not willing to let Him make adjustments, if you're not prepared to be obedient in every area, you probably are not going to end up eating the fat of the land. Isn't that exciting? That's how you stay thin. So you can see that from from Isaiah 119, that faithfulness is a major part of God's character. What you do for God must be done willingly and in obedience, not only to Him, but to those that He has perhaps placed above you in the structure. You have the wrong attitude at Living Faith Ministries on the staff, we're going to love you, and we're going to work with you up to a point. The point beyond which we're not going to work with you. Yes, that's right. I'll tell you why. You can't afford. We, in this ministry, are on the cutting edge of things happening here. Right. We can't afford to have people who won't work with us that's right. yeah. on the staff. Yeah. Can't have that. Right. Can't have that. And that's fine. If God's called you to something else, that's fine. We're going to love you. We're going to send you off, maybe even give you a gift. No, seriously. But you can't have dissension. And you can't have division. And you can't have complaining. Because that just means that you are not really part of what's going on. You don't know how to operate in structure. And the bigger the ministry gets, the more opportunity you've got for that kind of division. Because, you see, we tend to hire people, and we believe that the Lord leads us that way, but we're all at different levels of growth. And working in that staff dynamic situation presents its own kind of challenges. is that nice? How many of you don't want to work in ministry anymore? Now, let me just give you three functions of faithfulness. Three functions. What is faithfulness there for? The fruit, remember, it's the fruit of faithfulness. It's a byproduct of love. Faithfulness is a byproduct of love. But what is its purpose? The first thing that faithfulness is to do is to equip believers to exercise stewardship over God's goods. That's what faithfulness is there for. Number one, to equip believers to exercise stewardship over God's goods. Now, I'm not going to ask you to go back there, but in Genesis chapter 2, you go and read it for yourselves, verses 4 through 8, you'll find that God put Adam in the garden, and God gave him certain instructions, God having certain expectations of Adam. And in verse 15 we read, And the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden, to dress it and... Keep it. The purpose of Adam being put in the garden was that he was going to be given responsibility. He was going to have to dress it and keep the garden. He was responsible for what went on in the garden. Not God anymore. God gave it to him. Just like the guy that went off into the far land and gave five talents He had two talents there, one talent over there. He went off and he said, you guys are responsible for it. And God is checking out how we handle it. So I believe it's a spiritual principle that God takes what He has given, and if it's not faithfully executed, God will give it to those that He can't trust. And trust isn't something that you are born with. Trust is something that you prove. Let's get back to the marriage situation. If one of the partners is found unfaithful, apart from the emotional damage, what is it that we find is forfeited? Trust. Trust. You don't trust them. Let's just assume it's the guy that's broken this, this trust. If he comes in ten minutes late, where have you been? Even if you don't voice it, you're thinking it. Help me out, ladies. Is that right? Why are you late? Where have you been? You went where? Who was there? Uh Uh-huh. What's been forfeited? Trust. You're not born with it. You build trust in people. They come to trust you. And if you break that trust, it takes time, and there's no formula here, but it will take time to have that trust rebuilt. And you've got, if you're the person who's responsible for breaking trust, you're going to have to give your partner all the time that he or she needs in order for that trust to be rebuilt if you want that relationship back on even keel. Now the same thing happens with God. You mean God doesn't trust me? Well, can he? Can he? See, God sets this principle. He says, how can I keep giving you the greater things of the kingdom if you're not trustworthy with the small things that I give you? Because, you see, the giving of the small thing is the test. It may be finances. It might be an opportunity to work in an area of ministry. It might be an area of ministry you don't particularly want to work in. But somebody came along and said, you know, I see you work so well in this particular area and there's a need over here. And not say much more, but the Lord says to you, put your hand to it. I'm not called to that. I just know that isn't my calling. You just failed the test. Don't look anytime soon to God opening up a bigger door. But have a look at the people. Now, can I, can I share something with you at the, at the risk of embarrassing this person? Sandy... No no, 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 no. I'm only joking. I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about Dawn. I'm going to talk about the Dean of the Training Center. Now, I want you, I want you to know something. I believe that leadership in a church should be an example of how to live the Christian experience, not just in everyday situations, but in ministry as well. Now, she doesn't know I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it. And I'll, shout, I'll get her shouting later. But you see, one thing about Dawn is she will always make herself available to do something even at the 11th hour. That's right. If there's an emergency and I say to her, Dawn, I'm really needing this, would you mind? She said, sure. Now she, in all probability, has got something else scheduled. Me and my insensitivity, I don't say, look, do you have anything scheduled? She just says, sure, it'll be a pleasure. Never, gee, I'd have to reorganize. Why always me? (laughs) The reason that it's always her now is because I know I can count on it. She's found faithful. But let me show you something. With the right attitude and the right approach, she will get in and she will handle it. And she will do the right job. She's got my spirit. She knows what needs to be done. Do you understand? Can I draw on somebody else? I'm not getting any yeses from this side. Can I draw on somebody else? Nancy. Now, here's an example for us to follow. I'm drawing it. I'm not elevating people. I'm trying to draw from everyday experience. Examples for us to follow. Have a look at the leadership that God is causing to emerge Learn how to do it. When we did the convention, I asked Nancy whether she would take over the coordination of everything. She said with pleasure. Now, I'm watching how she's handling it. I've got eyes and ears. I don't even have to put them out there. I start getting feedback. And the wonderful thing about it is I also get not just the negative, I get positive feedback. And one of the things that Nancy handled very well was this. When there was the need to get in and get a job done, if she delegated it to somebody and they dropped the ball, she didn't come back to me or to Bill and say, Oh, what do I do now? They dropped the ball. We didn't even know the ball had been dropped. She rolled up her sleeves, got in there, fixed the thing up, and nobody even knew the ball had been dropped. That's an example of faithfulness. You can entrust things to her, just like Dawn, and I'm sure that there are many other people here. I'm trying to illustrate a point. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God and do big things for God, you're going to have to learn to be found faithful in the small things. And the small things are, many times, small things. Like, just under the prompting of the Holy Spirit, pick up a phone and call somebody and say, the Lord just quickened something to me. I need to just share with you that you're a blessing. I don't know what you're going through, but I just got that. That's faithfulness to Him. He is not speaking to you because, hey, He's got nothing else to do. Okay, he's saying, man, who can I go along and spend a bit of time with now? Ah, here we are. Here's Duke. Let me just drop something in his ear because he's just messing around, goofing off there. Uh, So he and I'll just sort of spend a bit of time. God doesn't do that. The reason that God speaks to us is because he's wanting us to do something about something. And many times it might be praying, just praying. Faithfulness. You'll check how faithful you are when that Holy Spirit nudge comes at 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and it's get out of bed and pray. You don't know who you're praying for, where they are, what the circumstances are, but the wonderful thing about praying in the Spirit is you don't have to know. That's That's not your job to know. God, what am I praying about? You must only make that cry if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, but the guy who's baptized in the Holy Spirit can get out of bed and go along and pray and say, Father, I want to thank you. I don't know who it is. I don't know where they are. And I don't know what their circumstances are. But, and you keep going like that until six o'clock and you make some coffee for your wife and you take it into her bed. So you've been praying for three hours until the release comes. And you'll know when it's done. And you... Maybe in glory will be the first time that you'll ever know what has been accomplished. Faithfulness, but you'll never get to a place where God's going to trust the big things of the kingdom to you if you are not found faithful in the small things, and the small things are put yourself out. I I, I watched on Sunday morning. I watched. We had some people who were regular people, regular in attendance. And I'm not going to tell you who they are. But they're regular in attendance. And they happened to come towards the auditorium at the same time that some people who may have been here once before also came. And they sort of converged together. And they never greeted them. We've got to learn to think beyond ourselves. It's a test. Faithfulness. I want the love of God to be seen in my life. How? So when I lay hands on the sick that come out of wheelchairs and this happens and that happens. Uh uh-uh. That's not where it starts, guys. It starts in love. The, <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit is I can't greet the guy in the parking lot because I'm so wrapped with this. I'm not thinking beyond myself. So I get myself in the yogurt here tonight. You see, we, I, I, I'm trying to help us come to a place where we understand the influx of people coming in, they're not going to come in, well, praise God, let's believe that the word's got an impact. Let's believe that the music's got an impact. But I want you to know why people are going to come in. People are going to come in because they find love here. That's why they're going to come in. That's why people come in. There's a world out there that is hurting, that is hungry, For love and for caring, and they're just looking for the right place to arrive at. That's why our sororities are so successful, that's why our fraternities are so successful because they're accepted there. The church is not intended to be a country club, but I want you to know something it's got to have a club kind of spirit where people come in, and hey, you're with us this morning, fellowshipping, you're just passing through, you're visiting for a while, maybe this is the first and last time we'll ever have you here, but while you're here, we are going to love you, and you're going to know, you're going to remember the rest of the days of your life, that you spent time here at Living Faith, because you're important to us, we prayed you in. Faithfulness. And we'll have to carry on there next week.